The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code ROSS only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast because it's a teaching tutorial Thursday with Greg Cosell in the house, presented, of course, by DraftKings. You know Greg. You love Greg. NFL matchup show, 43 years. Might be getting close to 44 years at NFL Films. Already it's Thursday. We don't have a game tonight, but we do have winners tomorrow. We'll have somebody that spread the word via social media looking for a TikTok follow at Ross Tucker NFL or a Facebook follow Ross Tucker Pod. We got a new Facebook page just specifically for the podcast Ross Tucker Pod, which we're excited about. Sponsor confirmation email winner so many good sponsors. I'm so fired up to get this uh, these bathrooms remodeled next week. Going to be amazing. West Shore Home. We got First Leaf, Wine, of course, Raycon Earbuds, ExpressVPN. Always a bunch of sponsors that I don't take them unless I use them. A big fan of all of them. And then YouTube shout out, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. That's pretty easy. You just go to YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Hit the thumbs up. Reply to any post, any video, and just say, shout out. And I know that that means you would like to get a video for your buddies, your fantasy league, whatever. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your child. doesn't matter to me. As long as we have Greg Cosell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. So, Greg, before I forget, obviously we're going to talk about the games this weekend, but they announced the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame last night. I mean, they're all really good players. I'll get to that later. Is there any of these guys um, that really jump out to you? It's funny. They're they're almost all guys that were like my era. I guess <laughs> the only guys sort of, you know, I, I played with Darren Woods at the tail end of his career. Um, the only guy that there was no overlap with interestingly enough, is Albert Lewis. Can you tell me about him? You know, obviously, uh, I've been with NFL Films for a long time. This is my 43rd season. And I was doing the Chiefs highlight films back in the day when Albert Lewis played. He played with the Chiefs from 1983, I think he came out, probably for a good 10, 11 years before he ended his career with the Raiders. Um, And Albert Lewis 
He played with Kevin Ross, by the way. Kevin Ross was the other corner for a lot of those years. But Albert Lewis was really prototypical. Think about what everybody wants today in a corner, Ross. He was 6'2", about 200 pounds. He was long. He was athletic. He was explosive. Um, To me, Albert Lewis was kind of the guy that everybody is now looking for before everybody was looking for him. You know what I mean? But he was a really, really good player. And I know a lot of people look at statistics. I don't have his statistics right in front of me. My guess is he probably ended up in the 40 interception range, give or take. You know, I'm just throwing that number out. Um, Played for a lot of years, though. Um, And, you know, I'm not a Hall of Fame voter, so I don't know what the process is like. I'm not involved in the process. And I know that all 15 guys are certainly not getting in now. They're not all going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. But Albert Lewis was in some ways an early prototype. And I think there's something to be said for that. Played 11 years with the Chiefs, five years with the Raiders. That's 16 years. That's a lot of years in the NFL. And he was good. You know, I can't remember every, you know, year with the Raiders as he got older. But he was a really good player for a long, long time. Certainly was. Uh, let's move on to the game. Speaking of the Chiefs and Raiders, wow, that was amazing. I didn't that was this was not intentional. First game I wanted to talk about, Greg, was Chiefs and Raiders. I'll be on the call for Westwood One. Ah. Really looking forward to it. First game this weekend. Anything interest you? I don't know how much you got a chance to see what Stidham did. I did. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I watched it. Um, I thought he played really, really well. Um, you know, he obviously was playing against a really good defense. Uh, I thought Josh McDaniels and staff did some really, really good things that uh, took advantage of, of the 49ers and their aggressiveness on defense because their players are really aggressive, particularly Warner and Greenlaw. I thought they did some good things. Um, Stidham stood in the pocket, made some throws when there were bodies around him, um, you know, I think the game played out exactly the way they would have liked it. The 49ers pass rush was not really a factor in the first half at all. And I thought the Raiders tactics helped to minimize pressure. A lot of backfield actions, a lot of timing and rhythm throws. In addition, there were very few third down plays in the first half. And and one of the third downs was third and two where the Raiders lined up in heavy personnel. So the way the game played out, I think helped Stidham. But I thought that he played with poise. I thought he played with composure. He was tough in the pocket. He made throws. I mean, this is all we have right now. And just based on the one game, he played well. It's interesting what you said about what the uh, what the Raiders did to the Niners' aggressiveness. You know, obviously, I'm sure anybody that plays the Niners moving forward, especially in the playoffs, will be looking at that tape and – seeing what they did and if there's things similarly that they can do to try to, I mean, they put up 500 yards. I know. And, I know. and uh, 30 some points against the Niners. And there were some 30, plays, as you know, Ross, that were just great plays. I mean, that, that long pass to Adams late in the game where he made the great catch, you know, that that's not going to happen every week. In other words, you can't say, well, gee, that's the way you have to play. You know, sometimes guys just make really good plays. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on this game in particular, the matchup against the Chiefs, uh, what you're seeing from the Chiefs? We almost take him for granted, Greg. I mean, Mahomes has over 5,000 yards passing yeah. and 40 touchdowns. 
Yeah, and we know he's a great player. I mean, we've talked about this before. I think one thing that has really stood out over the last six or seven weeks is their far more extensive use of multiple tight end personnel. They've sort of settled into playing that way. I think the use of McKinnon as kind of um, uh, Brian Westbrook light, let's call it that, for Andy Reid. He's not as good as Westbrook, but, you know, Andy Reid always likes those kinds of players. They have tremendous value to him. I think that that has really become a factor over the last six or seven weeks in their offense. So, you know, those are the things that that you see when you watch tape every single week. You see those changes and the, the evolution of a team, and you see that with the Chiefs. Um. That impresses me. When teams like change over the course of a season, when they get this much out of a guy like McKinnon, I mean, that's cool. I'm happy for him, and I'm, I just think it's really impressive that that they're able to do what they're doing right now with guys like McKinnon. You, know, you lose Tyreek Hill, and you still put up these. I mean, they're number one in scoring, they're number one in yards. It's really impressive. Let's get to the Saturday night game. Greg, I, I'm really. I think it's going to be a good game. I yeah. really do. It's, it's the Jaguars and the Titans. Yep. Titans got. Hey, they got Derrick Henry going to be rested and ready. Jeffrey Simmons, Rabel knows how to muddy these games up. You know, they're certainly going to have a formula. And I don't know how much you studied the tape, Greg. I thought Dobbs played well. So you know, I watched the tape. Woods had a drop. Burks had a drop. His numbers would have been really good. If they didn't let I me, mean, they certainly looked, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but they had a functioning passing game, which they didn't have with Malik Willis. I agree with that 100%. I mean, Dobbs looked like a professional quarterback, which is really impressive given the fact that it was his first start. Now, I know he's been in the league six years, but you know, Ross, uh, being in meeting rooms and being on the practice field is not the same as playing a game. Uh, but he certainly looked like a professional quarterback. I thought there were some things you would have expected. There were some throws that he didn't turn loose that were there. Um, I thought his ball placement at times was not quite as precise as you would like. You can always debate throws that hit a guy's hands, but, you know, in an ideal world, are they really good throws? Not necessarily. You can debate whether a guy should catch it. You know, I could tell you, you know, that there were coaches then if that happened in practice would say, hey, we want to, we're going to run that play again because here's where you really got to throw the ball. So you can always debate that. But there's no question that they had a functioning passing game, to use your, your words. Um, the bigger issue for them is what's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball. These teams played week 14. Um, there's been a ton of injuries on the Titans defense, particularly in the secondary. Now, Autry and Simmons are back, which should give them a pass rush, which they did not have at all week 14 against the Jaguars when Lawrence had one of his best days of the season. And they're going to need to generate some pressure because this secondary might not be able to hold up without any pressure. Really looking forward to that game. Uh, interesting that it's Saturday night, but it, it, uh, I, I, I'm convinced it's going to be a really good game, uh, which is why I kind of like the Titans getting uh, getting the points. For those of you that are interested in that, you probably listen to the Even Money podcast. What about some of these Sunday games, Greg? Um, the Bills and the Patriots. Patriots, they still weren't looking real good till Kyle Duggar had that pick six against the no. Dolphins. In my mind, they've scored a defensive touchdown or a special team touchdown like every game. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What uh, What do you think of this Bills-Patriots matchup? Well, you know, these teams played uh, four weeks ago, 
and it was a game in which the Bills controlled the ball for 38 minutes. Um, the Patriots need to develop some kind of sustainability with their offense. They're not really a big play passing team. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm not suggesting they never hit a big play, but they're not really built that way. And their running game has been very erratic this season. You know, Ramondre Stevenson will probably get a thousand yards, but in a 17 game schedule, you know, you have to decide what that means, but it hasn't been a week to week deal. Um, I think they need to find a way with their run game to control the football, to have some control over the pace and tempo of this game. Because I think if that they don't get that, it's going to be difficult. Um, and you may recall in that game, their only offensive touchdown came on that play to Marcus Jones, the defensive back, who, due to injury now, is basically playing every snap at corner. So we'll see if he even plays any snaps on offense. But, um, you know, their their run game, which I think they wanted to hang their hat on going into this season, they've not been able to develop any kind of week-to-week sustainability. And I believe they will need that in this game. By the way, Greg, uh, Marcus Jones – Phenomenal football player. I loved him coming out. I absolutely loved him coming out. Believe it or not, I know he's playing corner. I almost saw him, you know, and who knows, with Bill Belichick, you never know as as he continues to play. I almost saw him as a Tyron Matthew kind of player, but he's obviously playing outside corner now for the Patriots. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, let's talk uh, Steelers-Browns. You know, Kenny uh, Pickett, I don't know what the – he needs a nickname, Clutch Kenny something, <laughs> uh, Greg, because, he, you know, it's so funny. You watch the Steelers, he's clutch and playing well. They do have a couple good receivers. They've got a good tight end. And I don't – I can't remember the last time, Greg, I saw a running back totally change his running style midseason. I, I just don't know – like, Najee Harris used to dance and, like, stop his feet behind the line. Somebody told him, just go, just go well, and then figure it out. Yeah. Well, Harris is, is, is a grinder. He doesn't have much juice to him. So he's got to hit it and get what he can. You know, he's not a, he's not an explosive back. You know, that's not who he is. So ultimately what he has to be is an, a sustaining a grinder. You know, he doesn't have reacceleration ability. You know, he's not one of those guys in confined space that's going to burst out of it. You know, he's not a, he's not a, a juice back, so he has to run a certain way. And the thing that was interesting about the way they played last week, and they're not really scoring a lot of points. You know, keep in mind that they've now had two games in a row where they've not given up many points, but they've not scored many points, and Pickett has made plays late. But they are really trying to be a balanced offense. I mean, Pickett had 29 dropbacks this week. They ran the ball, I think, with Harris and Warren over 30 times. So they are really trying to be balanced. They're trying to sort of slow down the game, control the game. And look, if your quarterback can make those kinds of plays, which is hard to live like that. I don't think anybody goes into a game, Ross, you know this, you played in the league and says, hey, it's going to be close and we're just going to make great plays at the end and win. No one, I think, really says that as a coach. It's worked out that way the last couple of weeks. But clearly, this is the way they want to play philosophically and, and tactically. Yeah, you know, they probably should be scoring more points. Uh, you know, I mean, with with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, yeah. with Friar Muth at tight end, I don't know. It's a good point, Greg. They're like, they don't score a touchdown until the last drive of the game, like the last couple of I mean, of that's weeks. happened the last two weeks. And, and, you know, I think that 
they feel they have something developing here. Obviously, they don't make the playoffs unless other things happen. But I think as they look forward with young receivers and a young quarterback, I think you'll see them expand what they do offensively in the offseason and going into next season. But right now, this is the way they think is the best way to play, given their entire team, because their defense is playing well. Yeah, not going to be easy. I thought uh, I thought Watson played better in the second half of that Commanders game, so it'll be interesting to see that that thing unfold. What about? I want to ask you about both these next teams, the Giants and the Eagles. Yeah, and I know we've talked about them in recent weeks, but and people think I'm crazy when I say this, Greg. I think Daniel Jones is going to get a lot of money. I mean, tell me where I'm wrong here, Greg. He's like 26, 25, maybe. He's healthy. He's started a lot of games. He's never really had a good O-line. He's never really had good receivers. He's a pretty good thrower of the ball. He runs very well. He almost had 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns last week. Yep. Guys like that don't hit free agency. You know, and I know you always say money's the money and whatever, but like 25, 26-year-old guys have started a ton of games and have shown that they're they can be good NFL starting quarterback. They don't hit the market. No, and I believe that the Giants will re-sign him because, as you're suggesting, quarterbacks don't fall out of the sky. Brian Dable's offense has a lot to it, and he's not going to start over at quarterback. Clearly, Jones has improved as the season has progressed. All you need to do is go back two weeks against Minnesota in a game that was close the whole way, and he asked Jones and to drop back 45, 46 times. So you can tell that Dable is clearly gaining more confidence in Daniel Jones. And you're right. Jones is big. He can throw the ball. In his career, really, he's had a revolving door on his old line. He's had, you know, not not the same group of receivers, not a receiving core you'd say is higher level. Um, certainly Hodgins has, has played well for them. But, you know, this is not a receiving core you look at and go, wow, these are big-time players. So he is definitely – I don't see any way he's not back with the Giants, but I think he's played well. And I think by what they've done over the last number of weeks, they've told you that they feel much better about Daniel Jones and have far more confidence in him. Yeah, um, agree with all that. And there were a lot of people, I can't remember what you said, Greg. There were a lot of people that really did not like that draft choice uh, when they took him and they're going to end up, the Giants are going to be in right. I mean, they're well, going let me to just say one final thing back. before we comment on the Eagles. As you know, there's not that many transcendent quarterbacks. Everybody wants, you know, says, oh, you can't win or you can't play unless you got the Mahomes or you got a Burrow or you got an Allen or you got, you know, those guys. There's not that many of those guys, Ross. You know, so ultimately, you know, ultimately, what is the coach's job? And and people view this as a negative when you say that. Like, for instance, if you say about Bach, Brock Purdy, for instance, that, hey, he's playing well, but the 49er offense is so well-schemed and so well-structured and put together that they're really helping him with where he's throwing the football. They're helping him be a really efficient player. People think you're ripping Brock Purdy. That's the coach's job, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so so people view that as a negative. There's not that many guys who are going to make, quote-unquote, special plays every single week. There's more of let's efficiently run the offense. Let's make the routine plays, Ross, before we start talking about all these special plays that everybody makes. It's hard to live in this league if you don't make the routine plays. 
So for the Eagles, Greg, I don't know what the question is. I, I don't know if the question is what happened last week or if it is Hurts this week, how how successful can he be if they don't really want him to run that much? Yeah, well, that's a big know. question. Answer whatever question you want. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, Gardner Minshew did not play well last week at all. And and, and obviously that, that hurt the Eagles tremendously. Um, and, and without Hurts, you totally lose an element of the offense that is really, really difficult to defend. And that has been a problem for defenses to defend. And it's one of the reasons why Hurts is a very good player is the run game element. Even if he doesn't run, it must be defended. Um, so I don't know what his status is. You know, the Eagles have played it close to the vest. They don't have to say anything. All they have to do is submit injury reports to the league, but they don't have to make public statements, as you know. So number one, we don't know if he's going to play. And number two, if he does, we don't know if they're going to try to, you know, sort of play it close to the vest. Um, but even if he can't run a lot, he's still a better player from the pocket than Minshew is. So, their pass game will be better this week if Hurts goes. Uh, Minshew really did not play well at all. He really hurt them last week. And obviously they only scored um, one touchdown, um, and that was on a long play. But other than that, they really did not have much of an offense. Lions-Packers. <laughs> Sunday night, it's the last regular season game that's scheduled at this point. What should we be looking at when we're all watching that game you together know, Sunday night? I know that the Lions, you know, they they have to win and hope the Seahawks lose. So the Packers are the team that if they win, they're in. But, you know, the Lions, to me, offensively, I think they're one of the most fun offenses to watch. They are really good with their route concepts and their route design. Um, I love the fact that they're old school play action, goth under center, and they're really, really good at it. You know, we may have talked about this, but there's a significant difference between under center play action and shotgun play action because under center play action, Ross, it takes longer for the mesh point to show because the quarterback has to take three or four steps to get to the back. So second level defenders have to wait to see what the play is. So they get a little stuck. Shotgun play action tends to be more flash fake. So I love the fact that they're under center play action their offensive coordinator, Johnson, does a great job with route concepts versus both man and zone. Um, Goff has been absolutely terrific. Goff has not thrown an interception in something like eight games, and he's been relatively clean in the pocket behind a very good old line that's not talked about much at all. And when he's clean in the pocket, he can throw the football really well. So to me, they're a fun offense to watch. And just one final point, the Packers defense has not been very good at all versus play action this year. Interesting. Yeah. The other thing is when you're under center, since it's longer to the mesh point, you can get bigger chunk plays because your receivers can get down the field further before you snap your head around and throw the ball. That is correct. So there's, to me, there's advantages to under center play action. Greg, you are the man. Always love the time. I I don't know. Jack's going to kill me. I have like 12 clips I want to cut for social media. I'm going to have to narrow it down somehow. At Greg Cosell on social media. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. And thank you, West Shore Home. I still don't know what those old tubs are made of that we have, but if you had a house built like in the 80s or the 90s, ours was 98, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, I don't know, is that like plastic or acrylic? I don't even know what you call it. I am so glad that we're getting rid of those things. I am so glad that we are modernizing the girls' bathroom, 
the guest room bathroom. Thankfully, the master bathroom is already modernized, but we need to mod- we need to modernize the two upstairs bathrooms. West Shore Home, which is pretty much everywhere now, they're amazing. I said to them, listen, I, I don't know if you guys do this, but my wife works. She doesn't usually get home till like 6.30. That's fine. We'll come on at 7, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. Who does that? They do. In one meeting, they gave me a design of the showers that we picked from. They gave me the exact pricing on the project, and they were able to show financing options. One meeting. So, like, my wife and I, we don't mess around. It's like, hey, we don't have time. I think most people don't do projects like this because they feel like they just don't have the time. They also, by the way, come in, supposedly, and do it in a day. Now, they're doing it next week, so we'll see if they actually do it in a day or not. But they supposedly come in and get the whole thing done in a day, which is amazing. Go to www.westshorehome.com slash Ross to schedule a free consultation and get 20% off your remodeling project for a limited time. So that's westshorehome.com slash Ross and get 20% off your remodeling project. Love it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Tux Takes. All right, Ross. First of all, I think the material you're looking for is ceramic. You're trying to figure out. No, this- it's not like ceramic tile. It's like what's the um, what's those old bathtubs made out of? Well, that's what I said. We even our old one was ceramic. That's why I went to ceramic. I gotta ask him. I don't know if it, it, it's like it's not vinyl. It's like I don't know. It's like you know. It's like you can tell they just like brought it in pre-manufactured and just like drop it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Okay, well, all right, go ahead. We'll start first and foremost. Per multiple reports, Tamar Hamlin is showing signs of improvement. Love that. Hope it continues. I think we're all kind of waiting with bated breath for any information there. But improvement's good, right? Like going the right direction, that's good. What all that means ultimately, we will find out. But he's still sedated last I heard. And they're just hoping that whatever the readings are that they're reading continue to get better. So let's all hope and pray for that. Ducks takes. Lots of quarterback news. Sam Howell is set to start quarterback for Washington. The Bears are going to start Nathan, Nathan Peterman with Justin Fields dealing with a hip injury and the Dolphins sign quarterback Mike Glennon. Well, Washington should start Sam Howell since they're out of the playoffs and give him one game to show what he's got. Does he look like a number two for next year? Should he maybe be in the mix for the starter? I think that makes a lot of sense. I I think Justin Fields' hip injury is interesting and i'll leave it at that the bears starting nathan peterman i certainly think it it doesn't make sense for justin fields to take more shots and to potentially get injured in january when they got a really big season next year where they have high hopes for him and the rest of the team and can you imagine if bridgewater can't play and mike glennon gets in the game mike glennon gets in a playoff caliber game for the Dolphins, that'd be incredible. Tux takes. 
The Chiefs activated wide receiver Mikul Hardman from injured reserves. The Niners do the same with third running back Elijah Mitchell. And the Eagles designate both Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Robert Quinn return from IR, while the Cowboys cut wide receiver James Washington. So, look, it's a lot of playoff teams getting getting guys back, right? Hardman is dynamic, gives the Chiefs another weapon there. The Niners, that is huge for them to get Elijah Mitchell back for the playoffs. I mean, he's obviously – McCaffrey's the guy, but you want to have another runner and you want to use McCaffrey in other ways in the passing game, et cetera. Mitchell can help take some of the load off of McCaffrey, which is amazing. Chauncey Gardner Johnson was, he might still, I don't get the check, Jack. He might still lead the NFL interceptions and he hasn't played in like five games. Think about that. He was having an unbelievable year. So if he can actually play, that's a huge boost for the Eagles in the secondary. And Robert Quinn, you know, can help take some snaps if Josh Sweat's not ready to play after his neck injury last week. So that would be good news. Sweat has said he'll be back this season. I don't know if they'll play him or not against the Giants. My guess is they won't. And then James Washington, he got hurt. You know, the former Steeler, I think they were hoping he'd help him out. But then they got T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. Hilton's been so good that they don't really need James Washington anymore. So Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is tied with Micah Fitzpatrick, Justin Simmons, and Tariq Woolen for the most interceptions in the NFL six. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Tux takes. And we'll wrap things up with the NFL, announcing their final 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Anything standing out to you there? Well, I'll just read off the names first. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. These are all guys that either I played against or came after me, which is wild. And I did their games when they were, you know, as a broadcaster. So I know all these guys well, except for Albert Lewis, who Greg talked about. I looked at the other semifinalists, Jack, who didn't make the finals, right? Like guys like Fred Taylor, et cetera. That's what really stands out to me. Like these guys can't even be one of the 15 finalists. And they're so good. I mean, they were so good. And it's got to be deflating if you're not even one of the 15 finalists to feel like you're ever going to get into the Hall of Fame. And even the semifinalists that don't make this cut are really, really good. I think that's what jumps out to me. It also jumps out to me that we're so blessed to have these awesome, I think we're done here, members of patreon.com slash RT Media. How about Sportaculture? I even got a gift for my girls from Sportaculture. I'm going to give it to them today, which is amazing. Pizza Boy Brewing, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com. I'm sure they got a lot to say right now. Evergreen Economics, Vision Comics with an X, BackOfficeScheduler.com. And listen, there's never a bad time to get a loved one or anybody. Get it for your boss. Get it for a colleague. Just get it for someone who's who deserves it. A story all about them from myfrontpagestory.com. All the other shows are posted. Fantasy Feast, Even Money, College Draft, Business of Sports. 
We'll have the picks Friday tomorrow with every game since there's no game tonight, which reminds me, I don't even know what we'll do for the big show tomorrow. There's no game to break down. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.